first, I apologize for the delayed response to the Alabama brawl. I thought it was my responsibility to respond as accurately as possible. The Alabama brawl, a multi-dimensional analysis. A fight between a group of white voters and one black co-captain at the Alabama dock escalated into a brawl that will never be forgotten. The black co-captain was dispatched from the 19th century Harriet Harriet II riverboat, which offers public and private cruises on the Alabama River, which was trying to dock where the smaller boat was docked. Before the fight began, the riverboat captain attempted to contact the platoon boat owner on the loudspeaker to move his boat. It's reported that people on the smaller boat responded with obscene gestures, curse words, and taunting, according to the boat captain. The brawl that ensued may forever be known as the Alabama Sweet Tea Party, along with other names coined that day. The riverboat co-captain, who was African-American, took another vessel to shore to attempt to move the platoon boat and was physically attacked by several members of the private boat. This took place in Montgomery, Alabama on August 5th, 2023, and because of the content and context, several whites attacked one black male, the historical setting of the scene and broil became highly under scrutiny. Ironically, this is the port that was once a historic slave trade site, a town that was the capital of the first Confederacy state and the birthplace of the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King Jr. Videos show several people from the dock and blacks, including crew members from the arriving riverboat coming to the co-captain's defense including a 16-year-old black youth, Aaron, swimming to aid the co-captain, engaging in what we call, or what we all have seen since on social media. The fight became a split along racial lines. While it is important to address any negative actions or behaviors, it is equally essential to approach this incident without prejudice and delve into a comprehensive analysis of underlying factors contributing to the brawl. My personal response seeks to examine the Alabama brawl from various angles, considering cultural, social, and psychological aspects to foster a well-rounded but not extensive understanding of the event that day and explain my point of view of the incident. Again, let me preference this response by saying that I do not advocate violence. In fact, I became a school teacher to take up for children who were bullied. As I grew up, I watched children being harassed through my project window by members of their own race, while my mother sat on the kitchen cabinet connected to the window explaining that she didn't know why they chose to be bullies, but that they will surely get what they deserve. I needed to understand why they were hurting the feelings of innocent friends of mine. Sixty-something odd years later, and I still advocate for those that are picked on and are innocent.
In fact, my doctorate program was approved and accepted as I created the I Can, C-A-N, Breathe program for African-American boys and now girls between the ages of 12 and 15. My research and firsthand experience confirmed that African-American teens suffer from undue anguish, that is, prejudice, unproportionate incarceration of many types, and disproportionate police brutalities and or poor family dynamics imposed upon them. Its aim, the I Can Breathe program, is to facilitate African-American teens in becoming more resilient despite negative discrimination or undue anguish that surfaces daily in the systems of America. So in looking at this from a cultural perspective, many people are asking why Black folks are so happy in relation to this incident, and this is where cultural factors are instrumental in understanding their response. So let me speak firsthand, since I am an African American. I was triggered by what I saw happening on August 5th, 2023 because there have been hundreds of years of similar experiences of which I'm privy to 50 years of witnessing injustice. I've witnessed African-Americans standing on the sideline, frozen, helplessly, watching what could have been a relative beaten and or killed unjustifiably, both young and old, male and female. And each time it happened, I cried in my heart and buried my shame and feelings due to helplessness, even though I wasn't physically present at many of the scenes. This type of incident has been repeated too often in printing images, instilling internal fears and internal wounds causing physical trauma. Epigenetics, a scientific study, provides evidence that shows that trauma is stored in the genes of proceeding generations. Experiencing this trauma over and over currently leaves a hole in the heart of all those who would, under fair circumstances, come to the defense of their loved ones if it was a fair brawl. I felt my hands were tied on so many occasions whether I was present or not. The brutal and not-so-brutal killings of those whose blood cried out from the ground chipped away at a part of my heart as though it was my brother's blood. Genesis 4.10 reads, what have, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. From my early youth in the 60s, I remember the killings of blacks that had been battered to death by police and those individuals who were Caucasians just, just short distances away from my Brownsville housing community in Brooklyn. Because of the multitude of these atrocities then, and the many atrocities thus far in 2023, there continues to be too many deaths at the hands of an unknown killer. As a result, fear and hopelessness have been improved. Disgust and anger sets in because of the unfair advantage 
usually associated with these killings. There are usually deadly weapons, and because of this uneven force, historically, coupled with being outnumbered during many escapades and unprotected by the very judicial system sworn to protect all citizens of the United States, a feeling of being closed in or stressed is a constant mood deeply seated in the hearts of many African Americans. It wasn't fear, F-E-A-R, of the enemy because humanely all human beings breathe the same breath of life or air in their nostrils. The weapon of steel have created an unfair advantage from time memorial. Even during biblical times, in Job 20, 24, it says that he shall flee from the iron weapon. It is thus this that causes fear. Howard Thurman explains best what happens to people when fear has become embedded in their souls. He says fear becomes acute in the form of panic or rage. Because of the repercussions anticipated, the effect is nothing short of a disaster in the organism of the individuals. Studies show fear actually causes chemical changes in the body, affecting the bloodstream as it prepares the body for fight, flight, or freeze. And it is the response of freeze which is so often experienced when standing around and watching killings of what could be a person's relative. So the day in question, August 5th, we are faced with another relative being bullied unjustifiably and many African Americans watching who didn't or couldn't help initially. Although the video shows a few people running to to push the perpetrators off the co-captain and a young swimmer, Aaron, who jumped into the river and swam across to aid what could have been his uncle. I experienced a rush of adrenaline as I watched the black co-captain's defenselessness before people came rushing to his aid. Yes, I shouted, I cried, and I released pent-up emotions that I didn't even know existed as people came to his aid. His young co-worker, who was Caucasian, even tried to help. Remember, in my first podcast, Be Aware of Your Thoughts, by Dr. Cynthia Marie Whitley on buzzbrow.com, I said that there was a burst of freedom after my husband's death. I saw a bird being released from a cage in the sky, and instantly I knew that that was me about to fly into my freedom. There was a burst of freedom, the satisfaction of being released from bondage in my soul, even though I did not know that I felt trapped. I know now that it wasn't my husband's fault that I felt trapped all my life, but all the relationships in my entire life up until then of humbling and denying my own desires in the place of everyone I thought had influence or power in my life. The feeling welled up inside of me until in this case, a gentle breeze made me realize that I was trapped and it was time for me to become free after my husband. It was time for me to take my life into my own hands and make my own decisions. I didn't know I needed to release emotions then, nor that I needed to release this pent-up emotion concerning the mistreatment of African-American people. 
there was a feeling of happiness when I was freed after my marriage, and there was a burst of freedom and happiness when something, when someone came to the co-captain's aid. Notice I didn't know I was holding my breath. As a people, African Americans couldn't take a deep breath as a cultural group for a very long time. We couldn't exhale. We've been holding our breath for a very long time. The signing of the Emancipation Proclamation in 1855 wasn't enough to prevent the actions of discrimination and unjust happenings. On August 5th, 2023, it was as if there was a combustion, combustion of all the souls who were holding their breath and a forgiveness of all the souls who died without the chance of a fair fight for their lives as no one came to their aid as they breathed their last breath. I said at the beginning of 2023 that this was my year of release and this incident allowed release to take place because as a culture group, we were able to defend ourselves without unfair weapons, even though there was an incident of a weapon used as a chair. I learned while earning my master's in youth ministry that in order to study the Bible, we needed to use a technique called exegesis. It involves a thorough examination of the text, the Bible that is, content, context, language, historical background, cultural influences, and various other factors to derive a deeper understanding of an event's intended meaning and significance before offering an analysis. That meant we could not just look at one verse in question. Just as it is almost impossible to isolate and explain an event like this event in 2023. It cannot be condensed to a few minutes in time. I learned that while responding to biblical content, we needed to read the entire chapter before the verse in question, the chapter containing the verse in question, and the chapter following the verse in question before offering an explanation or responding. In this case, we get to, as we teach children in reading comprehension, put ourselves in the shoes of the character or participants involved before drawing a conclusion. So in using this technique of study, I aim to imagine the participants' intent, both black and white, for those who participated and those who did not, for example, all those watching and witnessing and feeling emotional during the event, both black and white. Given the above explanation, we have no choice but to look at the social context and language that might have played a hand in every silent or pronounced response during this event. We don't know what words transpired between the co-captain and his attackers. So briefly, let's begin with the setting which includes the historical background and various other factors. Alabama, like many other states, is composed of a diverse population with varying backgrounds, beliefs, and ideologies. And these cultural differences, historical legacies, economic disparities, and political divisions could have contributed to heightened tensions, increasing the likelihood of clashes. Alabama brawl might have been influenced by deep 
deep-seated cultural differences, where misunderstandings arising from distinct values and norms could escalate into conflicts, which is what we saw. Montgomery, Montgomery is often called the cradle of the Confederacy because in 1861, it briefly served as the impetus to the Confederacy as it was the first capital of the Confederate States of America. Montgomery was also the birthplace of the Civil Rights Movement, fighting against injustices and demanding civil liberties. All of the above is mentioned because it cannot be ignored because of the obvious separation of those fighting. So let's look at the psychological underpinnings. Psychological aspects already touched on above can provide insights into the Alabama brawl focusing on the emotions, motivations, and cognitive processes that drove the individuals involved. Emotions like anger, fear, and frustration could have contributed to heightened tensions, potentially leading to physical altercations. Misrepresentation, sensationalism, and biased reporting, responding without knowing all the facts, can all impact the public's understanding of the event. Offering conflict resolution is possible. Addressing the Alabama brawl opens up opportunities to discuss effective conflict resolution strategies between groups and society where there is heightened conflicts that can be triggered. Instead of perpetuating prejudice, the focus can shift toward understanding the root causes of conflicts and finding workable solutions to prevent future incidents. Encouraging community dialogue, mediation, education, and fostering mutual understanding can all contribute to healing strategies to promote a more harmonious environment and offset future encounters of the same kind anywhere in the United States of America. In conclusion, or in the world, the Alabama brawl, while unfortunate, offers a chance to explore the multifaceted factors that contribute to such incidents. By approaching this event without prejudice and delving into the social, cultural, and psychological dimensions, we gain a more comprehensive understanding of what transpired. It is imperative that we utilize this understanding to not only condemn negative behaviors, but also to address the underlying causes and work toward fostering a more tolerant, inclusive, and peaceful society. Peace and Shalom. My name is Dr. Cynthia Marie Whitley.